Welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Today, Matt welcomes Bob Sally, a writer from Boston, Massachusetts. Bob's latest projects include the comic book Salvagers, of which three issues are currently available, with the fourth on the way, and the weekly webcomic Jasper's Starlight Tavern. You'll hear Matt and Bob chat about the Salvagers universe and its unique set of characters, his inspiration for creating Jasper's Starlight Tavern, his love of sci-fi, and the influence of music on the aesthetic of the Salvagers series. You can also hear about his Indiegogo campaign, a crowdfunding site spurred by a desire to give back to the fans. Finally, after some helpful advice on time management and how to conjure up the focus for projects you're most passionate about, here's presenting Matt Storm and Bob Sally. Hey, Bob. Thanks for taking the, chance, the time to uh, chat with me on my podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Matt. My pleasure. Um, so my first question actually is how you found us, because I know obviously you are a creator and writer of comics, so I have a few friends in that industry, and I'm curious if there was a direct person who referred to you, referred you to the Crash Sports Podcast. Um, you know, that's a great question. I, um, I'm actually, I'm always scouring through Facebook, uh, just looking for different comic book shops, uh, that are accepting indie comics and uh, just going through and networking with so many different people. I, I come across so many other people who are, are looking to promote and help other people that are doing either uh, indie comics or, uh, you know, indie music. And somehow or another, you, I, I apologize that I wasn't like that question because whoever did send me to you, I would love to give them the proper uh, props for that. Um, but uh, you know what? It, I, I believe it might have been Johnny C. If, if my, uh, he, I think he he might have met you guys in um, at New York Comic Con. Oh uh, he, yeah. He's, yeah, he does uh, Sartana, the comic book Sartana. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and and we were just talking about New York Comic Con. Uh, we're both going out there, and uh, I think it was we were we were really just looking for some kind of voice in and around New York. Because uh, right now I've been doing podcasts out in the west West Coast. Sure. Um, I've done one in Australia, one in England, and um, I believe when we were we were discussing the fact that we were going to New York, uh, he may have he may have told me to contact you guys to kind of get the word around. I know New York's only it's, it's you know it's not until October, but I don't sure. know, it's ever too soon to start plugging yourself. Sure, of course. Um, I do know that you are friends with my good friend on Facebook at least, uh, Chuck Collins, who does the Comic Bounce, and so yeah, he was yeah, a, he, yeah. he was a guest on our other show. We do a weekly album review show that we do in New York, and him and our our mutual friend Ed, who they're both comic artists. Um, were guests on the show, and so uh, it might have ended up in your feed through that as well. Um, yep, yeah, Chuck. Uh, Chuck's awesome. He does the web comic. Um, not only do I do salvages, but we're also doing um, Jasper Starlight Tavern, 
which is right. a bar on the edge of the galaxy within the not only the within the Salvagers universe, but uh, my friend Jason Spash and I, who we went to high school together, we wanted to kind of make a web comic for sci-fi where anybody could be walking in, uh, anyone from you know the Predator to an alien to Flash, uh, you know, singing his own song on uh, karaoke night. <laughs> uh, so um, Chuck and I actually, I he's a great guy, and we I've I've gone to him a lot, you know, just because he's been doing it a lot longer than I have, and he's got a really successful uh, web comic and bounce. Sure. And telling him one of these times, I want to have him, I want to have him bouncing at Jasper Starlight Tavern. So we're gonna we're gonna try to work on that. Awesome, that would be great. Yeah, um, I've been friends with Chuck because in New York we both are regulars at a bar called the Way Station. And uh, oh, awesome. I had met him. I had met him there, and we'd become fast friends there. Um, found we had a lot of similar interests. So, so that's cool to hear that you guys chat and that that you might be working together. I think uh, our audience uh, yeah, is excited I, about that. So exactly. I uh, you know when when we started doing this, I I think we both were kind of like we got to do this. You know, we got to yeah somehow or another we have to cross over like where his web comic, his bouncer kind of you know get to you know teleported out of his and then teleported into mine so we'll, we're we're going to come up with something clever for it neat that's awesome um so i did have the uh the ability i did get a chance to read the first three issues of salvagers and thank you for sharing that with me um no i love the book i think it's fantastic um i i as someone who grew up watching star trek and star wars and i'm also obviously like anyone who likes sci-fi a big fan of firefly um, yeah, I can see tons of influences both in the visuals of the comic as well as the writing that you do. Um, I guess the first thing I want to ask about Salvagers is obviously the big question. How did you come up with the idea? I mean, doing a sci-fi comic book is not unheard of. There are quite a few of those. But what made you specifically think of this kind of universe and following this team specifically? Well, my my writing style all throughout high school, college has always been to take. You know, I I read so much like Raymond Carver, uh, Buddy Norton, like the guys that just wrote real people doing not like not really extraordinary things, but it was all about the emotion that they put out on the page, and uh, and it was very much like the, the characters was what made the, the the stories interesting, even if it was just a guy driving down the street, you know. Um, right. So that was kind of my writing style, and obviously, you know, I love sci-fi. I grew up with all of those, and uh, you know, Star Wars, Star Trek. Um, I know I just sort of said Star Trek. Um, Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, you could edit that out. That'd be really appreciative. But uh, um, we'll see. You know, we, I'll, uh, I'll hold it over your head, and I'll decide <laughs> yeah, at the end of the yeah, interview. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people will. <laughs> but uh, you know, and I, I just loved it. I loved I loved aliens. And I loved, I loved uh, Predator. I loved all of that. Sure. And I think what what I loved the most about those movies was the the characters. You know, what made the characters do what they did. Uh, I, I know. I, I think I was at a young age. I was always diving even more deep into who Han Solo is. You know, everybody was like sure. a gunslinger, but I was always like, no, nah, there's something. You know, there's something more to this guy and and I, I think that's you know part I think if, if um you know if, if George Lucas would have made Star Wars not just a movie but if he was if he had the ability to really dive into the characters, they would have uh I mean they're they're obviously they're very interesting characters, but we would have learned so much more about them and I know that there is the expanded universe but 
uh, you know, just that, that inner person that they are. So, so here I'm, you know, I, I hit some writer's block and, um, you know, I, I went back and I was like, okay, you know, like I like comic books and I like sci-fi. So I was watching, I, you know, I was watching Star Wars and the Death Star blows up and I'm thinking there's probably somebody out there. There's probably a crew out there that they're not saving the galaxy. They're not, uh, you know, stealing anything. They're just, they're just trying to make a buck in this world, in this galaxy. Mm-hmm. And have to go clean that up. And from there, I just, you know, I just, I thought to myself, like, I just started thinking of characters. They were actually, they were all, all human to begin with when I right. had them, like, in the notes. But then I just, as I started writing it more and more, I thought it would be, it would be more interesting to expand on the characters if you gave them, if they were alien and the alien makeup of their, you know, um, their, their makeup would be to have certain, not abilities, but be able to, like, you know, I always say, like, there's no spoilers. If you haven't read it, you should pick it up. Uh, Brigby, who is a lot of people's favorite, he, his yeah. face has the ability to regenerate. Uh, he And he gets his arm cut off, and it grows back. But in the process of his arm growing back, he gets really sick. Uh, and his rate, like, they're, they're, they have to take care of themselves because they could die from the process of their arm growing back. Uh, uh, Tyr, the big guy in the crew, you, you'll find out as the story goes on that his planet, which, um, you know, it became uninhabitable, but through thousands and thousands of years, it, uh, his planet rained glass. So his skin is virtually impenetrable, and he's got, uh, you know, a, a very almost helmet-type exoskeleton, which makes him kind of like, a, you know, a Luke Cage-type character. Sure. That's his, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a mutant gene or anything. It's just that's his... That's his species, and right. that through evolution they've become like they, you know, they've had these abilities. So, but with with their abilities, it, it's there becomes weaknesses in their abilities. So, I wanted to have something kind of, you know, something kind of cool with that. So I, I made them aliens, and I wanted to give the artist George Acevedo like some some aliens to work with, and say like, let's create a new alien species. Like you have. Vulcans, well, now we have Graxons, which Brigby is. We have Piperneans, which Tyr is. And then as the story goes on, we have Clandarians and, you know, uh, Shannings. And, and so it was fun to kind of be able to not just create a comic book, but also to create new species, a new alien life. Uh, mm-hmm. So so that's why I kind of decided to do that, to, to make them alien instead of human. And just to kind of, you know, just to have fun with that. Sure. Uh, yeah, and then, and then in that... These guys again. These guys aren't. They're not. Uh, they're not a rebel group. They're not. Um, you know. They're not out trying to. You know, steal all this weaponry and everything. But I guess in the first story arc, they actually are. <laughs> Put my foot in my mouth. But they. Uh, they work for companies. They. You know. They. They have special skills, uh, which brought them to Harrier Salvage and Rescue, and they are the division of salvaging, and they. They go out, they get commissioned to do a job, and they go out and they they know what is valuable and what's not valuable, and they strip apart a ship that's you know like that's been abandoned in space, and they they're able to make a buck in that, and they just like you and I and everybody else when you work for a company, sometimes you have to work with somebody who you don't like, and you have to get along with them to you know finish the job, and that's you know that's kind of what they're doing, and they even though you you might not like the person you're working with, if you work with them long enough, you become like family. 
And, yeah. Uh, and that's what I think they are. And they're, and they're, they're, you know, they're learning to work with each other. And you'll see that as the story goes on that, um, you know, they'll do they'll, as much as they, they're pains in each other's asses, they'll do anything that they need to do to, you know, protect each other. It's almost like, you know, when you, when you think of like your sister or your brother, if anybody else picks on them, you know, you're like, no, 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 I'm the only one that can pick on them. So sure. type of uh family camaraderie. Um, my next question is, uh, when it comes to writing, um, do you find yourself someone who needs to sit in like a, a, you know, a quiet room and focus on just writing or do you rely on music or, or TV or something in the background to kind of get your brain going? How, how does your well, writing process kind of work? When I, so I have a two year old and I work in a city and the commute, you know, is a, I'm on a, I'm on a subway. So I try to write anytime I can. Uh, I, I have a nine to five job. So, you know, it's, it's early mornings, late nights. If I'm, I, I use my, on, on the iPhone, you know, you have that note tablet. Sure. I use that constantly. I'm, I'm always on there. Like if I'm on the T or the subway, you know, I'm, I'm constantly writing notes in there. I have mm-hmm. a tablet, you know, a, I have a, have a, you know, a, a sketch pad in my book that I'll just write notes in there. And then I'll wake up at 4:30 in the morning, get a cup of coffee, sit on the couch, and I'll get to work and start writing it. And uh, my process is to, you know, to write the um, the grand, you know, the, in in an outline. It'd be like, okay, I'm going to write the, the three act. And the uh, epilogue would be like, okay, I'm I'm starting here. Uh, I got my midpoint here, my endpoint here, and then from there I just keep expanding it to, all right, I'm gonna, you know, page breakdown, and then within the pages it's the panel breakdown. But uh, I think I don't really listen to music as much while I'm writing, but music is definitely a huge part while I'm, um, you know, either walking to work, I'll be listening to a song, and that song will uh, it'll hit a chord for a certain character or a certain scene, and immediately like um, my mind is going, and, and I'm thinking like, you know, how how is the mood set? Who's the character? What's going on? And I and the music just really makes you draws you through it, and then and then I'm on the tee, and I'll, I got that notebook out and sure. writing down just, just to make sure you capture it to say like when you finally get home. And you bring the laptop out. You don't want to, you know. You're like, shit. <laughs> what was that song? Play it right. again. Uh, but it, it's a. I think if anything, like having a nine to five job is a crazy process because you you try to figure out how to write when you have time, and uh, sure. a lot of times you don't have the time. So I I always tell people, and you know, you talk to people who are you know doing this and. Um, you know, they're, they're like, yeah, you know, I was going to write, but I, you know, I, I started playing Arkham Asylum. And <laughs> I, I, next thing I know, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, get rid of that. Get rid of the PlayStation 4. You know, that's, this is your this is your Batman. You know, this is your, uh, you know, Skyrim and, and God of War. Like, you know, writing writing this out, like, if I, can, if I can spend two or three hours in the morning writing some outline and getting some dialogue and some scenes. That to me, I used to play games all the time. I used to play, I love Resident Evil. Uh, Batman was awesome. I loved playing Batman, but this is my new, like, this is my new game. Like trying to, trying to come up with uh, an awesome comic book. And that's, it's all I have time. When you have a wife and a kid and a nine to five job, you, you really have to pick and choose 
you know, when you're going to, what you're going to do with your free time as little as it is. Oh, yes. I understand that someone who's recently married <laughs> works nine to five and has a website and two podcasts and still tries to play video games. Yeah. It's not it, it, like the reason our website has been mostly podcasts for the last couple of months to a year is because I used to write a lot of music articles and then I dove back into video games or was getting married and, you know, time kind of gets cut in half or thirds even when you're planning and working on so many other things. So I totally understand that. Um, if it weren't for me relying on music in my everyday life and like I listen to it on my way into work, on my way home from work, when I'm at work, you know, I wouldn't really have time otherwise to get into it. But I'm also the kind of person because of how I listen to music, I could just sit at my computer not really doing anything except listening to music for hours and just get sucked yeah. into that. Um, so the, um, this comic that, that you're working on now, you said that you're constantly working on it and writing and, and finding time to write whenever you can. The story that you're building for these characters, um, does it have an end game? Do you know where they're going to end up issue, many, many issues from now or are you just kind of leaving that open-ended and just figuring it out as you go and it evolves as you go? Yeah, it's it's there's there are times where I and I have it I have it in my notes. Like there are times where I'm like, this is where I'm going to end it. But I I I, I don't know. I, I always think of Rick Remender's Fear Agent, and when he ended it, I was like, man, I wish he wouldn't have ended it. I wish he would have kept it going. Like it was so awesome. But I mean, it's, and I understand for him, you know, he he got the Marvel deal. So it was kind of like, look, I, I want to end this and move on. But um, I, uh, there are times where I think, like, I don't ever want to end this. And I have I have so many different characters where I think the, maybe the characters could end, but the story doesn't need to end. The, the salvagers doesn't need to end. There could be, you know, you could go back in time. You could go ahead. You can you you could have a whole new crew. Uh, there are times where I think like there there would be a moment where. Um, you know, there, there's there's a new crop coming in, uh, and and maybe maybe Brigby is there. You know, the the you know that veteran with the company, and he you know he kind of serious like gets you know serious and you know and thinks back to all the mischief that he caused. And but uh, there, there's definitely I, I definitely think about ending it like we're way down the line because I'm having way too much fun doing it now. Sure. Uh, honestly, right now I have, we're only, we're midway through issue four mm-hmm. of volume one and issue four finishes volume one and then we'll put it out of the trade paperback. Uh, issue two is already written and, uh, the, you know, we're the artist is uh, starting, starting to develop that and, and uh, develop the characters concept, uh, some of the characters that haven't been seen yet. And uh, volume three is already outlined. And then after that, I have notes for volume four. So th- so there's definitely a long path that I have to take these guys on. Sure. Uh, my, my dream and my goal is to have, like, an extensive library of salvagers where these characters are just, you know, uh, iconic. That, sure. I, I've always said this when, when George and I, George Acevedo, the artist, when he and I first started uh, writing this, when we were doing the concept art for Ronick and Tyr and Tegan and Brigby, 
I told him one thing. I was like, when you're when you're when you're drawing them and you're thinking about them, just keep thinking in your head, iconic. Like my desire, my my love would be for thirty years from now, for like people to be putting Ronick in memes with Han Solo and Mal and sure. Hart and Kirk being like, you know, who's the best captain? And people to you know, like people to be debating on why Ronick is better captain than those guys. Like, sure, I would be like, uh, I can die now. I'm good. <laughs> uh, so that, and you know, and I think that that's where that's the care that I put into it is that I, I don't want I don't want to half-ass this. Like, I don't want, and and, and I think the, the when you're doing an indie comic, you get very you get a very small chance to capture somebody who could be out there buying Marvel, could be buying DC, could be buying sure. Chicago. Uh, so you get a very small window of chance to give them a comic, a 24-page comic, and by the time they're done reading it, for them to say, shit, I, I like this, I want to I read more, you got to put, like, that's, that's the way you got to look at it. you got to put the heart and soul into it because there's so much. It's a saturated market where, if there's one little thing about it that they don't like, it's all right. Well, you know what? I'm gonna get the Avengers. You know, sure. so it is like it, it's it, you really gotta bust your ass. You gotta, and I always say like you you gotta always think I, I there's somebody out there's somebody else out there working harder than me. I know it's uh you know it's it's so it's an age old uh, saying, but it's so true. Yeah. So many people out there doing indie comics, and you gotta you gotta think: Am I am I working as hard as I can? And but at the same time, you gotta love it. You gotta love what you're doing. And, and right now, I do. Like I, I could work on this all day, and you know, I'd be happy doing it. That's I think that's and really I do it for key. Free. I, I, you know, so you know, it's one of those things like well, you know, I'm paying for it to do it. So it's uh, it's a love of mine. It's my hobby. Sure. Um. So since you're the creator of these characters and you probably know them better than anybody else does, um, if you had to pick, if Brigby were in, were to discover the pantheon of earth music, what do you think would be his favorite band of all time if he had to pick one or a few? I, you know what? I feel like that he would like punk rock. Mm, yeah, I can uh, see that. You know, like, I think that he would just kind of, Something tells me that he would just love the the chaos of punk rock, you know, and and it, I think it would uh, it would it would be something that would really intrigue him to be like Brigby's the type of person that he he knows he knows everything there is to know about quantum physics and all this, and it's so easy to him, and he can put order into like he can make sense of something like that. But I think if he if he were to listen to punk rock, it, he would look at it. And he he might like look at the stereo where like or the speaker that's coming from, and it would confuse the shit out of him. And but he would be like intrigued by it to try to figure out like how it works. That would be something, and that's just off the top of my head. Like, I I just feel like that <laughs> that would be Brigby. He would be like I gotta like this, this is chaos. How do I how do I fix it? How do I make how do I make sense out of that? So definitely like uh, you know. It would have to be punk rock for Brigby. Okay. Um, so we were talking a little earlier about the webcomic that you work on as well, which is a little bit – it exists in the same world as the Salvagers, but it's more tongue-in-cheek, and it's, it's 
it you know pop a reference for pop culture pop culture as a whole. Um, yeah. How did the idea to start the webcomic come about? Is it just you wanted to play with your universe, but not in a very curious way and kind of take a more tongue-in-cheek approach? Well, you know, it's funny. Is uh, so when I started doing the Salvagers, I and, and I and I started, you know, I was on Facebook and I was talking to people and people were reading it and you know and every you know the people would be like, hey, you know, I'd love to be in the comic. And I did do a I did a I did do a um, contest where I had you know. Like, Send me your best picture of the Salvager, and you could win, you know, a free cameo in because in issue two we had um, we had a bar scene. Right. So people started sending me stuff in, and we put them in the bar scene. But then more people started sending me stuff in, and I was like, well, I don't have a bar scene until like issue six. So and and then the contest was over, but I was like, I really want to. I, I I like this, and it was really popular. And I was like, I want to put people in, and I want to give people an opportunity to, you know, to, to be a part of it. And my buddy and I were at a bar and we were sitting at the bar. There was, there was nobody in there, but there was this bartender back there. And we're talking about all this different comics book stuff. Jason Sparrow, the guy that I co-created this with. And mm-hmm. he and I grew up together and we were just comic book geeks. We drew stuff. And uh, so we're sitting at the bar and we're just talking you know, about comic book stuff. And finally the bartender who looks exactly like if if anybody wants to if you're listening to this and you want to get a visual of the bartender, go to Starlight Tavern dot go to Facebook and look up Starlight Tavern and you'll see the bartender, the human bartender. That is a spitting image of the bartender, my friend now, Mike Ray. And in the in the comic his name is Mike Deathray, but he comes over and he's like, Enough. I can't listen to this anymore. Like he, he's like, and then he started going off and he was just putting his two cents in. He's like, you guys have been sitting there talking about this stuff and I'm trying to keep my mouth shut, but that's it. Like, you know, you just got set up. He's like, and, and then we just sat there and we just started ripping off comic book stuff and sci-fi stuff. And and in the bar that he worked at was right across from where I was living. So I was like, shit, man, I'm, I'm anytime I had a free moment, I was like, I'm going to go over and hang out with the bartender and, you know, and talk comics, get geeked out with him. Sure. So, um, so then again, like I came up, I was like, you know what? If I came up with a web comic where I could put something out each week, then I could bring other people, friends of mine or fans, I could bring them into it because obviously it takes me like three, four months to get a comic out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I could, you know, each week I could get somebody in the comic. So we, I started playing around with it and uh, I found a great artist in Juan Khalid. And he he's amazing. Uh, I got a my my friend Don Mathias, who's the colorist, and again my best friend growing up, Jason Sparrich. He he helps me write it, and and it worked out. And I'm so proud of it. But, um, we're actually doing an Indiegogo right now. It's a, we we offer it free on the website uh, StarlightTavern.com, and also we post it for free every Wednesday on Facebook, uh, which mm-hmm. is. Facebook.starlighttavern.com. But um, we're doing an Indiegogo right now because, you know, we figured, like, we figured, like, there's people out there that follow us, and we wanted to give them a, a chance to get, like, you know, an exclusive uh, print copy of it. People are always asking us, can I, get, can I get it in print? And we don't do it in print. But I figured with this Indiegogo, this will give us a chance to, uh, you know, raise some money to print it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, do the T-shirt. We're doing beer steins since it's a bar. And uh, and we're gonna get you know some posters where actual the Mike Ray guy will sign those four people, 
and it's basically, you know, it's more, it's just to help keep it alive and to keep it moving because it's something that, again, it's another thing that we um, we do for ourselves and we, we put it out there for free and just try to get more fans and we hope that people are entertained by it. Well, that's awesome. That's really great. Make sure that you send me an email after we get off the phone with that Indiegogo link because this uh, inter- this interview is going to go up. People are listening to us on Tuesday as they're listening to us talk. It'll it'll go up on Tuesday. Um, awesome. So I'd be happy yeah, to spread that around. And I actually just launched it today, so it's up for, I think, 45 days. Great. And, yeah, uh, yeah and, and really it's something because we're going to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it just it's more as a as a as a gift to fans to to get something physical from a web comic. I think I think there's a lot of web comics out there that you know like people people would, wouldn't mind having like you know I, I always say like it'd be awesome for a bathroom reading you know if you sure and print sit in your bathroom and you know flip through it every now and then. Um, so I guess uh, from here I want to ask kind of a little bit about your background. So you talked a little bit about growing up and the sci-fi stuff that you like. Um, did you always write since you were little? Is that something that you just did in school as a kid, or was it something that you kind of found a love with as you got older? I wrote I, ever since I can remember. I was writing stories. I think it started like when I had like Star Wars guys and GI Joe guys. Like I was. I first started like playing out the stories and doing, sure. like, you know, the, I, I had them, but they were doing their own thing. Sure. You know, and uh, Boba Fett was a good guy. You know, like I loved, <laughs> he was a good guy, and uh, I just I, I kind of played out my own stories. But then when I I got I don't even know what grade it was, but you had to write your own stories and you had to draw them. I don't know if you remember those booklets, but you had like the top part was blank, so you could draw, and the bottom part had the line, so you could write the story. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, and I was always writing like action stuff, you know. Where and it was so bad. And you know, thinking back, writing <laughs> what you did, it was it was horrible. Um, but you know, you write what you know. Like when you're a little kid, you don't know anything. So I, I think as far back as I can remember, I've, I've always been trying to like create stories. And uh, one thing that I did as a kid is we would get GI Joe guys and Star Wars guys, and you would um, you could take them apart. And put them back together with you know with different arms you know take like you could take like five of them apart and then just start making your own and we used to do that all the time. Sure. Um, like you know I I feel like we invented doing that like now you just take Legos and do it all mix match. <laughs> but we would make our own yeah we'd take GI Joe guys and we'd make our own characters out of them. So um, yeah I think ever since I can remember I've always wanted something that was my own to create and uh, and to be able to look at and be like this didn't exist. Until I created it, and uh, and it's it's a wild feeling, you know. I, mean, I have a daughter, and it's like I, I you know, and I, I feel like people would be like, "That's a messed up thing to say," but I mean, I love my daughter. I mean, she is my creation. But you know, the comic book is kind of like these guys are, you know, they're kind of my kids. You know, like sure. When you look at Brigley, and I I feel like I've been with them so long. There's times like where. When I write, it's a shock to me too. Like it's not me; it's just me putting it on paper, but it's them doing it. Sure. There are times where I'm like, "Jesus Christ, Brigby, what the hell are you doing?" But it fits and it makes sense. You know, you're like, "That's sure. something he would do because that that's his character." Um, we touched a little bit earlier on how you'll listen to music on your commute and when you have some downtime. Sometimes that inspires your writing. Do you have any favorite bands that you can think of in particular that you listen to more often than others? 
right now, uh, so my like my all time favorite bands are Radiohead and Pink Floyd. But right, right. now, I'm listening to a lot of Tool, and mm-hmm. I like I think it's just that the um, like Thirteenth um, Step, uh, and I can't you know the name of their albums are always so whack. But I, I feel like that the, I, I have this playlist and just has a bunch of Tool and, and Perfect Circle on it, and I, I think the tone of their music is it, it fits the tone of what's going on in the salvagers world. It's mm-hmm. very dark. Uh, these these characters they have a lot of you know skeletons in their closet. They they obviously it's not something you want to do. You don't want to become a salvager, but through different life choices and what's going on in your world, like you end up just the, the reason that they're there. They all have their own reason that they're there doing the job they're doing. Sure, but I, I think the tone of um, of some of the songs, like uh, Pet and um, the uh, Counting Bodies, like what is it? Counting Bodies like Sheep to the Rhythm of the War Drum. Mm-hmm. Songs like that, when you listen to it, you're just you, like I, I. In my mind, I get a sense of I'm in their world, and it makes me. It kind of make helps me understand what they're doing and how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I, I I don't listen to it while I'm writing it, but if I'm when I'm walking back and forth to work, uh, when I listen to that, that's where I, I think a lot of inspiration comes from. From Tool. Cool. Um, Maynard, I mean, as far as singers and writers go for music, he's one of the most eclectic and unique, um, you know, and while I've, I've always liked Tool in a Perfect Circle, I haven't always listened to every one of their albums, but I know their stuff and I like it. Um, he's definitely someone who stands out and that you're, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly that kind of booming darkness, but I always felt like with a Perfect Circle, there's a little bit of tongue in cheek, at least in like, there's more irony in his lyrics than in, in the tool stuff, which is just kind of really dark. And you get a sense yeah. of that in your book, in, in in the comics, because, you know, reading issue one, and even especially issue two, like when Brigby is, is kidnapped or uh, abducted, like he's not scared. He's cracking jokes. He's kind of being snarky and an ass, because even though he knows he's in a dark situation, that's the defense mechanism. And I like that that kind of tone in all of the comics, at least three issues I read, there's a little sense of humor within this dark world. It's almost like a dark comedy where they know what their life is, and so they at least make the best of it. And so there are cracks and jokes, you know, within the writing that kind of, you know, give it more heart and emotion and a little bit of humor, too. Absolutely, yeah. I appreciate you saying that, yeah. Um, so, as we discussed earlier, between your child, your other child, the comic book, and your day job, you don't have a ton of time. But do you have any other hobbies you like to engage in when you do have some time? It sounds like you used to play a lot of video games, but now that's kind of you, you don't have well, much you know, time I for played, that anymore. I played a lot of video games when I was single, and um, you know, you, you know, anybody who's listening when you single, you come home from work and you, you, know, you crack open a beer and you. You hit play, and usually you turn on your TV, and half the time you're, you know, I'm I'm almost 40 years old, so there are times you'd be like, well, I'm just going to pause this. You know, I yeah. don't even want to have to go through the whole process of loading the shit up again. So you'd come home, and you turn your TV on, and, you know, you just see that first-person shooter. And like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I remember where I am now. Um, you know, and, then, and the next thing you know, it's midnight, and you're like, oh, i got to get up to bed. So I definitely lived, I lived that type of life. And, 
But um, you know, like right, I, and I used to golf, but right now it's it's a lot of this, and I play chess. I I think that um, I like I tell my wife knows it all the time. Like I, I my mind is always working, and it's mm-hmm. always somewhere in this comic book, and, it, and it's it's it's. It's tough, you know, because you you are you're a family man and you have a wife and kid, but uh, and there and, and obviously there's times of you know where you're not like you, you're 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 encapsulated with what's going on with your family, but sure. um, you know if we're sitting there on the couch watching something, uh, it's somewhere in there, even if it's just a speck. So I uh, I my college roommate, um, my college roommate Mike and I. We he's he's a much better chess player than I, and whenever we play, I notice that I'd always be losing, and it's because I would be I'd be half in half out. Right. So now when I play chess, now it, it's it clears my head, and I'm focused on everything that's going on on the board, and like what move I made, what possible moves I can make, and it, it is a great kind of release from that noise in your head that's always you know, what you're, what you're doing that, you know, and, um, the, ne- the next thing, the next story, the next, you know, scene, uh, dialogue, whatever it is, it's just this constant, uh, mess that you have on there that you're always trying to make order of. So every once in a while I do need to, like, I just kind of step back and I'll, I'll, I'll focus on a chess game that I play with my, my, uh, college room, my old college roommate. And, uh, he still beats me, but, <laughs> it's 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 it is it's 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 my new uh my zen, if you will, is to play a little chess on my uh downtime. I feel like something like that is definitely important because if you're always on you you'll burn yourself out. You need something that's gonna clear your head. And even if it's not video games or it's not T V, you need some kind of task that'll kind of let you just kind of chill and relax. Um yeah. I I play chess my whole life. My grandfather always beat the crap out of me. I was never I would was never better than him. I I enjoy playing it now and I actually play it with my nephew and niece. Um and I agree. I feel like chess is one of those games that you can't not be invested. So you either stop playing cuz you're not invested or you get completely invested and allow it to kind of wipe your slate clean and focus on on that work on on that game in front of you specifically. Um, I was just kind of fascinating watching like professional chess matches and how fast they move and how clearly they're thinking and how far ahead of that move they're already thinking. It's always been kind of amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, in me, like I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, I have I have a whole day to make this move. And, you know, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm like, I cherish that move. I'm like, okay, what am I gonna do? And then you know, and I go to the board and I'm like, all different types of moves. And then I end up making a move and I'm like, shit. <laughs> what did I do that for? Yeah. Of course, it seemed like a good idea definitely. at the time, and then yeah, you make the move, and you're like, oh, crap. But the best is when my, co- you know, when, when my when my buddy, like, I'll make a move, and then before the game's over, he just messages me, good game. And I'm like, god damn it. I mean, I mean <laughs> <laughs> That's like uh, I used to play, I don't know if you remember GoldenEye for N64 back in the day, the old, yeah. old school first-person shooter. So I had a friend of mine who, when I would play it with him, he would run and, and dodge you until you emptied your clip and because it took you so long to reload. He would just say the words click, 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 click as you were out of bullets and then kill you. Like he would That's wait to awesome. empty your click, insult you, and then kill you. And I'm like, really? Come on. That that game was, like, you know, that movie sucked. But the game was like, that was the first, that was like, uh, 
it was up there with Tomb Raider, you know, like yeah. where you were, that was like the first time where you were able to play a game, well, not Tomb Raider, but where you were able to be in a world with other people. Well, yeah, and it yeah, also kind you know. of gave uh, a, a whole new meaning to shooters, you know. That yeah. was kind of like the precursor to, like, without GoldenEye, we would have never gotten Halo or Call of Duty or any of those other games because it's kind of the first of its time. But see, you know the game I loved was Siphon Filter. Oh, yeah, and, sure. And I'm sure that. if anybody's, like, 20 years old, they're going to be like, what the hell? Yeah, what's, siphon a, what's a Siphon Filter? Yeah, Siphon Filter, I, that was, like, where, what really got me into playing games. I loved sure. it. Uh, and then after that, it was, you know, uh, Metal Gear. And, but, yeah, that, that GoldenEye. I, I played GoldenEye. I wasn't good at it, but I, I played <laughs> I remember when we were in college, we were playing uh, when we were playing Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. We were playing, and, we, and if anybody, like, watched us now, and I always think back, my, my, my roommate comes home, and he has Tomb Raider, and he has the, the, the book. And one of us is sitting, you know, one person would be sitting there playing it, and the other person would be sitting there reading the guidebook and be like, okay, I'm here. And he'd be like, okay, if you go up to this wall and you go over here to the secret, you know, and I was like, you know, you think about now, like nobody does that. But back then you you buy the book and there were times I'd be like, I don't think I could finish this game without the book. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, back then everything wasn't online, so you couldn't just Google a solution. Yeah. Like now, I watch a YouTube video of it. Yeah, like now I'm playing the newest Batman game in the Batman series, Arkham Knight. I have it for my PS4. And like now when I got get stuck, it's literally, oh, Google this puzzle. Oh, that's the answer. Okay. Whereas when, you know, when Arkham Asylum came out, I mean, it was still online. But like there were still guidebooks and you were still kind of looking up that kind of stuff. But now it's like everything's online. They don't sell instruction manuals. They don't sell guidebooks. Everything's online now. And to go with um, the music, I bought... I bought Doom and OK Computer at the same time. Oh sure. I would mute, like I would mute Doom, and I would just listen to OK Computer while I played Doom. Nice work. That's like it was. It was just it, it, it was fitting. Like it just fit the. Which and if you can even I don't know if you ever listen to OK Computer, it's my all-time favorite album. Mm-hmm. Um, you know when you, when you listen to some of the songs, like you know there's a xylophone and you're walking around playing Doom. It just for some reason it was like this works. Yeah, sure. Um, I used to do that a lot too. If I was playing like later on, like a game like Halo, and I was playing it online, I wouldn't listen to people talking trash online. I would just play online with it muted, and then have like a, a high energy metal mix of music in the background playing <laughs> while I was while yeah, I was playing it. People off or yelling at you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so obviously you're we were talking earlier about how you're pretty much in your headspace kind of already know a trajectory more or less for at least this early part of salvagers and where it's going for the next trade or two. Um, do you have any other projects that you're thinking about working towards or is, are you kind of all in with salvagers and your web comic? Is there any other well, projects uh, you're looking to dabble in? Yeah, right now I, uh, I'm writing a story. It's a post-apocalyptic story about a, a young girl. I don't want to get too much into it because uh, right now I'm just into scripting. I have uh, issue one scripted and then issue two I'm working on right now. And cool. I, I've already got an art team set to work on it. It's just, uh, it's going to be probably, still, they'll probably start working on it in September. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now it's just, it's, it's a working title called The Palace. And mm-hmm. it, it's got some, um, uh, authorian tale overtones to it, but 
again, I don't want to get too much into it, but I have sure. that that I'm working on. And then um, in uh, with my publisher, uh, Think Light Production, Ruben Romero, uh, he and I are working on uh, doing a, a kind of a, you know, a swordsman-type story. And, again, that'll be a, a miniseries that if, you know, if, if hopefully – we take off and if it works, we can, we can create more and more stories. But yeah, right now I have, uh, there's, there's the salvagers that's already written. So it's, it's more or less letting the, uh, artists do their work, um, mm-hmm. constantly writing with, um, with my friend Jason Sparrow, we're constantly writing scripts for Starlight Tavern. Mm-hmm. Now I'm working on, um, again, uh, it's a, like, 16th century swordsman tale and uh and this post apocalyptic uh tale of this little girl uh that I'm I'm really excited about both of them and I think that um I think they're going to be I think they'll be a hit I, I at least I hope they are and and the, and those stories were not again uh, when when I started working on them I salvagers was definitely something where I was like I want to keep this open ended and I want this to become you know like that that Star Trek kind of series where it's sure. going and, and even, even when it's over, there could be more and more. Uh, and I, and I really pushed myself to get a fan base that falls in love with it. But, uh, these, these would be more, um, like mini series one-offs, of course, unless it, you know, if it, if it got very popular, I would, I would keep it open to, uh, either go backwards or forwards with it and create more. Cool. Uh, it sounds like it sounds like you're the kind of guy who doesn't really like to do anything. He likes to sit around and do nothing. He's never busy. He's never working on anything. Uh, it yeah, sounds no, like yeah. sounds like you don't really have anything to do. It sounds like you you and I have a similar work ethic. Is in that when you're not working on something, you either think about how you can still be working on it or what else you can work on. You know. Yeah, well, um, that's how we started working on Salvager's Deliverance. Um, that's a, a separate. It's 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 in the Salvagers uh, universe, obviously, but it's a different crew. They're actually a freelance crew, mm-hmm. and uh, it was I was I was done writing issue four, and I was like, you know what, I want to take a break. And I had these these again these awesome cosplayers sent me pictures of them uh, of you know them dressed as Salvagers, uh, Scarlet Fly, and Tim Wiley, uh, Dave Walton. They they all sent me pictures of themselves, you know. And, Dave Walton had like an AK-47, and I was like, "Yeah, you you win." Uh, but it was uh, it was a lot of fun. So I I said, "You know what? Like I I had an artist do up uh, sketches of them as salvagers, and I loved the sketches. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna write. I'm gonna write a story for these guys, and uh, and I'm gonna make it a comic. It was um, and the, on the art teams I have are wicked. Like they're for salvagers, the original series. I got George Acevedo is in Los Angeles. Uh, the Sika is in France, and HDU is my litter. He's in England. Um, for the Deliverance, the artist uh, Luca Cicchitti, he's in Italy. The colorist uh, Oliver is in France, and again, I used HDE. I use HDE for all my lettering. I feel like he's uh, he's really good. He he's a guy that you just kind of set you set him and forget him. You're like here it is, and he goes. And every once in a while, he'll send you just a page of explanation of what he did and he flips through it and you're like, okay, good. But um, he, he's a lot of fun so I, I like to keep him around. And if he's listening, HD, he's good for shits and giggles. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, it's awesome, you know, and that's the power of the internet and the power of Facebook is that you uh, you can find awesome talent 
from all over. Oliver, who who colored the deliverance, he just took a he took a, um, an image off of my Facebook page, colored it, and sent it back to me, and I loved it. I was like, uh, so that was that was something. I was like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's put it together, and uh, and it turned out to be great. I uh, I'm, I'm, I love the story. It's I love where it's going, and we're starting to work on um, book two. And, cool. uh, yeah. So, yeah, so I, I am, I'm, I'm always working on something. And well, it's, I agree that like the internet is just remarkable the way you can, you know, I mean, it's like for me, I, my website started as a blog and like I wrote about music once in a while and then I started doing a podcast and then after doing a podcast for a few years, I started a second podcast and then I started writing more stuff. And it's just one of those things that are, you know, you can connect and reach people so much easier now because there's an audience. Or yeah. if there's an interest, oh, they can find it. I mean, I mean, look at this. Like, you're someone who, you know, a month ago I didn't know and then just reached out to me and we made a connection and I read your comic and loved it and now here we are doing a podcast. It's all, it was all through the Internet. We have not met in person. And I say, and although I, if you're ever in New York, I would love to hang out in person, but it was just one of those things where just the right people, the right time, and the right source can make a connection that you couldn't do even 10 or 15 years ago. No, absolutely. I mean, if, if if this was me trying to do this back in 1995, there's no way I could do it. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't know where to find an artist. Yeah. Um, you know, and and there would be no. There would be. I'd, I'd be walking. I'd have to walk into comic book shop and be like, yeah. But uh, there'd, there'd be nowhere for me to sell it. So it it is a great time to be an independent comic book creator. Uh, you know, so it's. Just because the world is so small with the internet that you can, I mean, we have this right now. is It's translated in France, in Germany, and um, you know, we're, I've I've sold this in 20 states and four different countries. It's uh, so it, it, it's kind of surreal to see how powerful that is to be able to spread it out so far and wide just by, you know, throwing throwing some stuff on Comicsology or um, you know, we are on Comixology, and sure. we have a, um, a big cartel site, which is www.salvages.bigcartel.com, and you know, we we've shipped all over the world on that, and you you didn't have that in the past. So, just by posting that on my Facebook page, you know, you, you know, I might get somebody in Australia who's looking for a comic, and they, you know. And they're the ones that are the most appreciative because I think they're like, wait a minute, you shipped to Australia? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, gee, oh, okay, yeah. Give me all the stuff. <laughs> uh, like, you know, nobody ships to Australia. I'm like, yeah, I, I, you know, I, if I didn't ship to Australia, you wouldn't know about it, and you'd be like, all right, screw you. <laughs> so, yeah, it is, the power of the Internet, you know. And um, and, and I, I think it's also the power of uh, the independent creators community Sure. Uh, it's it's there's so many people out there that are awesome. They're all looking to help each other out. Uh, people like you doing podcasts to put people like us on to you know to spread the word. It's uh there's a there's a lot more good people out there than there are bad. And uh, yeah, you know, and it's easy to differentiate them. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, most of the artists that I've spoken to, musicians, creators. Who, uh, comedians, they're all in, mostly independent artists who just want to share a stage and, and get information out. And, you know, it, it's it's always interesting to me how tight-knit an indie community can really be and how much people just want to help each other and help make more stuff. 
Um, Absolutely, yeah, no, no doubt. It's um, and it, 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 it's it puzzles me the people that are, that are that look at it as well. I don't want to share yours because then that's taken away from me. And it's like no, it's you, you, that's not it. You know, it, yeah. Um, you, you know, we should we should all be sharing each other's projects and everything. It, it's not like if I if I share like if I share bounce. It's not like the person that's that I'm, I'm sharing bounce and not going to be like, oh well, I got bounce. I don't need stuff like Tavern. If I um, my 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 good friend uh, Quinn McGowan is doing uh, this um, superhero comic, and it's like if I share his, it's not like people are going to be like, oh okay, I like this. I don't like yours anymore. It's you know people that are into indie comics, they love indie comics. You know, they, yeah, that's the thing. So they just want to find out more and more. They want to. They want to expand their indie library, so it's uh, and and, the, and people know that you know the, the the indie creators know what they're doing, and um, it's always it's always good to network and and share people's stuff, and you know I I always tell people uh, if if I meet you I'll probably tell four or five people like hey you know check these guys out um, you know if you. If you contact them, tell them I sent you, and uh, and you know get on the show. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the same way. You know, I mean, it's it's fun. It's like it's fun for me. Like I know Chuck before Bounce existed, and once Bounce started coming out, and I would share it a lot, and then eventually I started seeing friends of mine who don't know Chuck and had uh, hadn't told about the comic sharing the comic, so they just saw it in my feed, liked it, and then jumped on it and it's just it's, yeah. it, it's awesome how how stuff like that can gain speed um i appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today i i love the comic i'm looking forward to the fourth issue and the first trade um when do you have a release date for the fourth issue yet or not yet it's still in in the works well right uh, so right now we're more than halfway done it and uh finished it and george just sent me a page today which i exclusively shared with our Kickstarter backers, which was nice. When when I woke up this morning and I saw the page, you know, I just I got goosebumps and I was just like, <laughs> awesome. Uh, and the people that are listening that are Kickstarter backers, they know what I'm talking about. Uh, I like to give them stuff like that, uh, you know, first. It's it, they deserve, sure. and eventually we'll, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll we'll put it out there. But uh, so yeah, we're we're more than halfway finished it. Um, Realistic. Um, I'm looking at the uh, end of August, beginning of September for a release date. Okay. Uh, and and again, we're we're always putting stuff out every Wednesday. Uh, if you go onto Facebook and you look for Jasper's Starlight Tavern, we're always putting new stuff out there. And uh, you know, we're uh, we're always working. And um, if there's, I always tell people, and if if you're an artist out there and you're looking to get your work seen, I, I, I tell people you can find us on Salvagers in uh Facebook and you can message me, send you know, if you wanna if you wanna doodle up a picture of our characters, uh and if you have a deviant art page, I always I will anything that anybody sends me I will post on our page and I put the link up for the deviant art page. Uh I'm always about artists being seen. I know how hard it is for artists to uh, get their stuff out there and to um, you know to create to, to build a following, so we have ten thousand likes on our page now, which I'm pretty proud of. That's amazing. And anybody, I always tell anybody if if you wanna if you wanna send us something, put it in there. If if um, we we just in issue three, 
at the end of issue three, we put in four pieces that were just fan art that people sent to us. We put them in there with their names on it in the back of our comic book, and we're going to do that again for issue four in the trade paperback. So anything that I can do to get artists' uh, work out there, um, and, you know, and it's always I, – I always have fun seeing different artists do our characters. Sure. But there's no there's no wrong way to do it. It's uh, you know it's that age old adage where you know people say like, hey, there's not when it comes to art. You know, I remember when I suck at art, and my art teacher was like, well, it's not, there's nothing wrong. Like, you know, you can't you can't mess up art. And I was like, oh yeah, I think I just did. But uh, any any way that your style is, I want to see I want to see you do my characters in any style that you have, and we'll we'll post it on the page. We'll. We'll tag you on it, and we'll put a link to your uh, website on it. So, uh, yeah, awesome. check us out and like our page, and see what we're doing. And uh, we um, we're always we're always putting some contests out there where people can win issues or T-shirts or print signed. So we're having we we, we try. I always look at it as we're trying to have fun. Awesome. Well, yeah, and fun is important. I mean, when it comes down to it, if you're working on something that's creative content, it has to be fun. That's the absolute must. Exactly. Well, I thank you for taking the time, Bob. This has been a pleasure. I'm stoked to read the next issue. You definitely made a fan out of me. Um, um, I will definitely direct to the Indiegogo. When you, after you send me the link when this goes up on Tuesday on our website, I'll put the link to the Indiegogo. I'll link to the Facebook pages so everyone can check everything out. Um, it's been a blast talking to you. And if you're in New York in October for Comic-Con, definitely reach out to me. I'd love to... To chat with you I again, definitely will, Matt. Time. I would love to. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there for uh, all. I'll be there for all four days, and uh, I'll definitely look for you. And, and again, thanks for having me on. That was, uh, was a was a very was a good time talking. My pleasure. You definitely have to come back as those other projects come out. Absolutely. Maybe I can get uh, I can get one of my artists on with us too. All right, that'd be awesome. All right, take care, Bob. All right, Matt. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Bye. All right, bye. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.